3: This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Those mid-swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back in on the Graybar Sports Open Line for hour number two. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley tonight. Happier along as well. Lots to get to here in this second hour of the Graybar Sports Open Line. A lot of baseball talk in this second hour. Going to start things off, as a matter of fact, talking a little uh, World Baseball Classic. And uh, one of the big superstars of the World Baseball Classic was Lars Neutbar. Uh Became a huge superstar, as a matter of fact, in Japan. And uh, Tom Ackerman was uh, along with him this afternoon when he met with the media and uh, brings us this report from Spring Training.
1: Here in Jupiter, one of the players back from the World Baseball Classic is the champion himself, representing Team Japan.
4: Lars Newtbar asked if his life has changed. (laughs) Not not much. I mean, waking up the next morning was a great feeling. Obviously, winning the game was great, but waking up the next morning, looking over and seeing the the gold medal, um, it was uh, pretty good. You know, it's been a pretty good feeling, obviously, you know, but um, unlike the World Series, you wake up, you pack yourself, and you go drive down an hour forty-five minutes after spring training. So uh, it's a little bit different in terms of celebrating and stuff like that. But um, to be able to come out on top of that tournament felt pretty good.
1: When you had all of Japan doing the pepper grinder, yeah. Does that just show you the,
5: the power of sports, or? Yeah,
4: that's a good way of putting it. Power of sports. I mean, it's just like in that tournament too. Just the unity and you know the the togetherness that you know you have. That you know the team does something. All of a sudden, the whole country's kind of backing it. Um, it could have been really anything. It just happened to be. You know the celebration that Andrew Kisner did. You know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it was a pretty cool moment. Lars, what can you take from the WBC
1: experience and apply to right
5: now?
4: Yeah, I think um, you know immediately it's just like it it, thro- it throws you into that like playoff like environment, and so um, from game one on, it'll just be like um, I think the guys playing in that will have a pretty good hold on you know how to control emotions earlier in the season, where sometimes you know personally I may get sped up or something like that where, you know, it's like, okay, you know, two weeks ago I was, I was in, you know, a very similar situation or something like that, but then also um, being able to kind of seize those kind of moments too, you know. Um, and I it's just like, I, I remember playing in the outfield I was like, it's winter to home, you know, for the past three games that we played, so um, during the season it's not, you know, like that, but at the same time being able to um, get those emotions and that energy Early in the season will be great. The World
1: Baseball Classic Champion speaking in front of his locker, which is located close to Team USA members Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. The big popularity worldwide now surrounding Newt Bar. Back in Jupiter, he's humbled.
4: You you win the championship and then wake up and then you got to go drive down to, to you know to spring training and then you look over and you know the two guys I was playing they had their gold medals from the WBC and you know they've accomplished a lot more in the game than than I have so it's like great you know it's great but then you come back to reality and then. Uh, Two days later, I'm, again, the same guy that's looking up, asking for the advice from those guys and um, wanting to get better and just be more like those guys too. So uh, I think if I were to bask in any sort of thing that just happened, I'd be a fool. So um, this clubhouse does a good job of humbling you because you look around and they've accomplished so many things that you just kind of, you know, you can't you can't do much gloating at all
1: when, were you able but, to walk around the streets or go to dinner or anything in tokyo or did you get did you get mobbed or? yeah
4: after the first couple of days out of the exhibition games it wasn't a lot a whole lot of walking around or doing much of that um tried to go to a Seven Eleven and just didn't work out very well uh <laughs> and so then after that any sort of yeah 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 right it was a half an hour ordeal to walk across the street um so after that kind of uh everything was planned, um, ahead of time, which I'm not a great planner, but, uh, but yeah, we were having to do that if we wanted to go out and, and eat, 7-Eleven, yeah. I just had heard great things that you can get full meals and whatever at the Japanese 7-Eleven, so I just wanted to see for myself, I literally had no real, like, reason to go over there, other than I just wanted to see, be a tourist for a little bit, and then, um, you know, it didn't, it, it like I said, it, it was, it was a whole ordeal, so then I was you just, end up signing, Yeah, autographs, pictures, everything of it. Yeah, and so. Did you have to
3: sign
4: like any food? No, 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 no. It it was just fans, every you know, everywhere like that. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Ended up being you know a longer trip than I expected. Next time, don't wear your jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I was wearing full uniform. Yeah, yeah. I had my eye black on too when I was walking out to 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Lars Newtbar joking around with reporters this morning here in the Cardinals Clubhouse. Cardinals take on the Yankees today. Newtbar is in the lineup, so is Paul Goldschmidt. He'll bat third and play first base as the Cardinals take on Nestor Cortez, the lefty for the Yankees. They'll counter with their own lefty, Stephen Matz. It's a 1205 first pitch. We'll have the pregame at 1155 coming up right here, and we are one week away from opening day. Isn't that something? With a spring training report in Jupiter, I'm Tom Ackerman from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center on the home of the Cardinals, KMOX.
3: Well, of course, we did have uh, baseball for you today, and it ended in a 1-1 tie. That was uh, the end of that, and obviously Tom did that this morning for us. We appreciate that. We'll have baseball here for you tomorrow night, by the way. The uh, Cards uh, have a game against the Nationals tomorrow night. It's a 5 1st pitch, so pregame will be a little bit before 5 here on KMOX uh, with regards to that one. And as he mentioned, we're coming down the stretch, obviously, of spring training. They've got the game uh against Washington on Friday. They'll do a split squad so they'll see the Marlins and the Mets on Saturday, then the Astros, then the Orioles, and that's it. That's uh the end of spring is that 27th that Monday. They'll be back home in St. Louis. I imagine they'll have a workout day one of those days, probably the uh, 29th and then the 30th is opening day against the Blue Jays before another off day on Friday the 31st by the way. So we are here. We are uh, in the last uh, few gasps of spring training and the regular season is on us before uh, man before you know it we're gonna talk a lot of baseball coming up with our next guest Danny Wexelman of MLB network radio she also uh, she calls games on uh, ESPN and on the I think on the ACC network she calls a lot of college baseball games as well she was covering the world baseball classic she covers major League baseball she does some work for SNY in New York as well. She's a St. Louis native, by the way, um, so we'll talk to her about that, but we're going to really focus on talking to her just about Major League Baseball and the World Baseball Classic. She had some really cool uh, thoughts on that on Twitter, so I'll have her get into that for you and uh, share that as well. As we continue here, our second hour of uh, the Graybar Sports Open Line. Also want to let you know, remind you, that is about X Kegs and Eggs, which comes up on opening day On the 30th, that is a week from today, from 10 o'clock until 2 p.m., 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Of course, first pitch that day comes at 310. If you have a VIP ticket, it's 10 to 2. If you have a GA ticket, it is 11 to 2. In downtown 7th Street between Market and Walnut, all kinds of good things. First of all, you want to go to camoax.com slash events, full list of what's going on. You can buy your tickets there as well. But, You've got access to that VIP area with the private restrooms, Budweiser products, themed cocktails, which include Maker's Mark bourbon, F&Vodka, and Hornitos tequila. So all good things right there. Broadcast here on X, as well as appearances from local celebrities and Cardinals front office personnel as well. You know there's probably going to be a Hall of Famer wander in at some point in time because that always seems to happen. So there's a good chance you're going to catch up with someone there uh, at the tent at kegs and eggs sugar fire smokehouse barbecue as well each person in fact gets a meal from uh, sugar house sugar fire smokehouse barbecue that is coming up a week from today kegs and eggs again camel slash events to get those tickets coming back with danny wexelman as we continue on the gray bar sports open line here on camel That is what it sounded like on uh, that was the Japanese broadcast of the finish of the World Baseball Classic as they beat the United States a couple of nights ago. We've talked a lot about the World Baseball Classic, heard from Lars Newtbar and his experience of the World Baseball Classic. And now we will visit with someone who covers the world of baseball, maybe like no other. Danny Wexelman from MLB. She's on MLB Network Radio, ESPN. You can catch her on S N Y. She's doing play-by-play on ACC Network for or SEC Network, maybe both for college baseball, and she is a native of the STL. And she joins us here on the Graybar Sports Open Line. Danny, thanks for some time tonight.
0: Oh my gosh, what an introduction! I, my cheeks are red right now. That's so nice of you, and I, I'm so glad I could be here. I love talking baseball, and I'm glad we could we could work it out because I know it, we got seven days to opening day, and there's so much excitement heading into the season.
3: I loved your Twitter thread this morning on the world baseball classic and major league baseball. If you would get into that a little bit, uh, that one is not better than the other, that they are two different things.
0: Yeah. I think what's really important because I've had a second to digest what I saw and what I experienced. And I only saw two days. I only saw two games. I mean, two of the best, but I only saw two. And so I needed a second to digest it a little bit and kind of figure out what it means because I think that, number one, if you're an Astros fan or you're a Mets fan, you're really frustrated because you lost Jose Altuve and Edwin Diaz yeah. to injury at that event. And then on the other hand, you have players like Trey Turner saying this is the best moment, best home run of my career, Randy Rosarena, who plays for the Rays, who was in the Cardinals organization. You got Matthew Libertor for him, right? Him saying the catch that he made for Team Mexico was better than any home run he hit, and he had a monster 2020 postseason for them. And so I think that frustrates people a little bit, and it's totally valid and it's totally fair. So this morning I woke up and I had a chance to realize that I think it's my fault too. I think the problem is we're comparing the two events and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this classic is better than anything I've ever seen. Well, of course it is because it's completely different than anything I've ever seen. And you're not going to see it in the regular season as much. It's not sustainable. The the energy, the flair, the spiciness, the, the fans, like that's not – you can't translate that for 162. Mookie Best said that to me at the classic, and that's fair. I hope that a little does. But the problem is is comparing it. They're mutually inclusive. Both great, both amazing. The World Baseball Classic makes the Major League season better. And because those Major League players came over and played for their countries, that made the World Baseball Classic even better. Without that, we're not even having this discussion. But I realized, it kind of just struck me, like, if we stop comparing and just treat them as completely individual seasons and things and events, and then I think we can appreciate it. And we can say to ourselves, wow, the World Baseball Classic, for me personally, Danny Wexelman, was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced covering baseball in my life and I can also come over and say watching games six and seven of the 2011 World Series were the best games I've ever seen in my entire life and I can say that and not think that they have to compete they're not competing they're actually helping each other grow stronger and grow the game, which at the end of the day, I think we can all say is really the point. And so I just wanted to get those. That's what Twitter is good for. Right. You can kind of get your thoughts out. And, and I, I just had so many questions about it. And I had so many conversations. And it when it struck me that we've got to stop comparing, that will make it that will make this so much more enjoyable for everybody involved. I just, I
3: wanted to share it. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I liked it. And I I actually kind of likened it to um, what a lot of people, if you follow soccer closely, and certainly if you follow soccer outside of, and even to somewhat, some extent here in the U.S., but certainly English soccer, you have a league season. You have other tournaments that go on. And and in fact, in, in England, they play simultaneously with their league. And obviously that's really not an option here with baseball, but that's kind of the way it is. And I think that I think you make such great points that you can love one, you can love the other, and they both bring something to the other. I guess is what it is. So I just really thought that was good. And if if people haven't checked it out, it's at Danny Wex on Twitter, and you can read that entire thread. So let's talk about a little bit about going into this uh, major league baseball season uh, with some new rules that we're starting to see play out. Right as spring training winds down here, certainly the biggest one being the pitch clock. Where do you stand on what you've seen so far?
0: When I saw it in spring training, that was about two weeks ago. So it was early on. I turned to actually, I was with Katie Wu. Mm-hmm. She covers the Cardinals for the athletics. Of so good. I definitely turned to her and I said something along the lines. That's radio appropriate of, wow, this game is flying. And, and I don't hate it. And I think the key in all of this, because baseball shouldn't be rushed. It's never been a timed game. It's It's, never been that way and I think when you add a clock to a a timeless game it it stirs the pot a little bit but I think the issue in baseball is that there's not a lot of activity and the play is slow and you want to attract more people and more fans and I think that's extremely important like it's gravely important in my eyes and so the pitch clock allows for a little bit more of that you're going to see more action and I think it's really really good for the game I think that whether you're you're, uh, a diehard fan, a casual fan, if you're a stat head, whatever you are, I don't think you're going to be bothered. You're going to notice the clock and you're going to look at it and be like, okay, this is in my way. But then eventually, I promise you, you're going to sit there and you're not even going to think about it. Everyone, it's going to take a month or so and everyone's going to be adjusted to it. The only place that I stand against it, is when you get in those later innings. Imagine if there was a pitch clock in the bottom of the ninth inning, Japan-USA, and Shohei Otani and Mike Trout had a pitch clock on them in the biggest game in the World Baseball Classic, the championship game, so historical. For me, that would do a disservice to the game, to the product, to the moment, to the fans. That's not a moment to be rushed. And so I wonder if in the future we're going to see. I mean, you heard Max Scherzer speak out about it as well. A couple of guys on the Mets team did. And so I wonder if in the future that, that part of the game could change maybe in the postseason. But the pitch clock is going to benefit the game and you're going to get there. And guess what? You're going to get to the game and think, wait, I'm going to be able to get home and have dinner with my family or I'm going to go home and get to see my family or I can bring my family to the game because my kids can sit through two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes. And it, it's not to say that it's taking away from the product or you're going to watch a rushed game and it's not going to be fun and, and it's going to take away from the history and the tradition. It's not, it, it's going to make it better. And eventually just like when the DH left the national league, right? And we got rid of it. You're you're not even going to remember life without the pitch clock. You're not going to notice it. It's just going to make the game more enjoyable for everyone involved, the players too. You think the players don't want to go home and spend time with their family? Like they I think they're on board as well. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm a little anxious, but I'm mostly excited.
3: And really as, as players come up and we even saw this to some extent last year for guys that spent a lot of time in the minors, you could tell they were working a little bit quicker. It's not going to be one of those. I've got to get it in before the pitch clock. It's just going to be, this is how fast I work now and it's just sort of going to become, as you said, part of the fabric of the game.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it starts at the college level too, right? They implemented a pitch clock as well. So they've got 20 seconds Batters got about 10 seconds to get in and be ready. And so now you're starting it earlier, which I think helps a lot. The guys who are in the minors, I mean, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, those guys are already used to it, which is, I think, a really big advantage. The veterans, though, we underestimate them. They're going to be fine. They're they're pros. They're going to adapt. That's what they've done their whole career, and they'll figure it out. I think the pitchers could have a little bit more of an advantage at the beginning of the season. I mean, if you've watched – any of Max Scherzer in his Mets games, the way he can manipulate and force batters to step out. When the batter steps out and calls time, that's it. He burns He burns the chance to do it the rest of the at bat. And so you're going to watch a bit of a cat and mouse game. Teams are going to see how smart they can be and try to kind of outsmart the pitch clock, so to speak. But guys will be more used to it. And I think the first month is going to be clunky, Joe. I do. I think. I think we're going to be like, what? Like, you don't want to see the game end on a pitch clock violation. <laughs> and it might. It just might, and that I think that's going to sour fans a little bit, but not so much that they're never going to come back to the ballpark.
3: I am not going to lie. I call a lot of college baseball games, and I have already enjoyed the speed with which uh, some of those games have taken place this year. So <laughs> I, I, it really, and, and I, it's one of those. And right now, at least for for us, I call games uh, for SIU Edwardsville. They're, and for most, I think, colleges, they're not – they don't have the clock on the field yet. That has to happen next year. But the ump is keeping that clock. And I do think it's uh, it's it's moving the game along. So I'm not mad. Uh, what is something or or what are some storylines that you're looking forward to following or that you're already following as we are now a week away from opening day?
0: Well, I'll start in St. Louis. I'll start with the opening day starter and, and having to see the news about Adam Wainwright. Uh, with that groin strain working out the other day. Today, I can't remember which day it was, but I would say it's frustrating and you feel for the guy because he just got a chance to go to the WBC and then he comes back to try to get ready. And so I would be interested to see. I'm going to guess it's Jack Flaherty, which is exciting, and I think that's a bit symbolic, passing the torch a little bit there. But to have Wayno out, I think what's awesome about St. Louis right now is the depth at every single position that you have, including the prospects who are basically knocking down the door and making it really hard for Ali Marmol to say no to them, to be in that opening day lineup, Jordan Walker especially. But I think that's something I'm I'm paying attention to. The depth, I think, all around the league will be tested this year. I think that pitching, you could never have enough of it, and it's going to be tough when you see some of these starters go down. I'm going to say that I think the Padres in the National League West have the opportunity, they have the tools, they have the value, and they have the talent to be better than the Dodgers this season. And I think we haven't been able to say that. I don't know if ever we've ever been able to say that there's a team in the National League West that can beat the Dodgers, can't take that top spot. That's something new. I think the National League East is going to be a three-team dogfight between the Phillies and the Mets and the Braves and the Marlins knocking on the door, too. And then the prospects for me, Joe, you know, I – I love covering prospects. I get to do that for Perfect Game, for ESPN a little bit as well. And it's it's one of my favorite parts of my jobs. You mentioned the, the list of them. But I, the chance to watch – I mean, I covered Jordan Walker in high school. And so to watch him become who he is as a person, I mean, just a thoughtful, thoughtful human being, but also the star that he's going to be, for me, is really special. And that's all around the league. You're watching the development change dramatically. These guys now – are coming into camp and being drafted. And their development is completely different than it was a decade ago. And so they're much more ready. They're not gonna need five, six, seven years in the minor leagues. These guys are gonna be more game ready. And that's good for the game because baseball's so unique. You've gotta wait so long to see a prospect and to see them fulfill what you can only hope they'll be. And so now you actually will get to see them sooner and sooner. I mean, the Braves with Michael Harris II He's a great example. Andy Painter for the Phillies, who's sidelined right now. But he had a chance to be a part of their starting rotation. And so I think that's what excites me the most is seeing these younger guys come up and contribute.
3: Well, Danny, we are literally a week away from opening day. Uh, I couldn't tell you were excited at all, by the way. I could not hear the enthusiasm at all. (laughs) I, I really appreciate you taking some time talking about the WBC major league baseball. I promise you it won't be the last time that we bother you and have you on uh sports open line for sure.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I love doing this. Obviously you make it easy and I'm, I'm really excited. I think, you know, we ha- don't forget, we had the pandemic, then the lockout. So it's been a wonky couple of years in baseball. And I finally think, that there's a corner that's been turned, and the game is in a great place. So thank you so much for having me, Joe.
3: Man, I agree with you 100%, and we appreciate the time for sure. That is Danny Wexelman. Again, it's at Danny Wex on Twitter. You can follow her, and we appreciate her taking some time tonight. Graybar Sports Open line continues. We'll take a break when we come back. Randy Molman on the other side of the break. Coming back on Camo X. This is
6: America's Sports Voice, Gagamowax. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the
3: Battle Dome! That is the voice of Randy Molman, the public address announcer for the St. Louis Battle Hawks, among many others where you can hear Randy's voice and Randy happy to lend that voice uh, proud. I am happy that he will lend that voice to us here for the next few minutes here on the gray bar sports open line, Joe pot in for Matt Polly. Randy, thanks for taking some time, man.
6: Joe, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It gets, uh, I'll tell you what, when I hear, I don't, uh, when I hear that, uh, announcement there, it makes my, uh, skin tingle a little bit. It's very exciting.
3: It's good. So, uh, the Battle Hawks, of course. People probably are familiar with your work at uh, Faroe Field at Memorial Stadium at Mizzou. Uh, now you've added some SEC Network Plus uh, stuff to your resume. Did some baseball and some softball this week. You hang out with me over at SIUE, call some women's basketball, some softball, some men's basketball, and you're going to get the opportunity to uh, work a little City Park as well.
6: I am. Uh, it's uh, It's uh, you know, I was telling someone the other day, unfortunately for a lot of sports fans in St. Louis, they're going to have to hear my voice at one point or another. Uh, it's like you, Calhoun, but, yeah. and Hewlett.
3: Like, those are the only three that, like, wherever you are, it's they've got you covered.
6: Yeah, that's right. Uh, John Hewlett, of course, is the is the greatest. Tom Calhoun, you and I both know, one of the best of all time. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 cool to be kind of talked about in the same class with those guys. I love it.
3: You are a... Lifelong St. Louis, and we have we have uh, conversations about this all the time, especially yeah. after the way that the Rams left, and and all of that. You were also the the PA announcer in the first inclination of the Battle Hawks when they first hit the field in 2020. But um, tell me about what that means to you as a St. Louis guy when there are now there there's basically not quite 40,000 seats to be sold. And there are that many uh, fans in the seats at the dome in two back-to-back games.
6: Yeah. I, you know, um, the cool thing for me too, is, is, you know, for both battle Hawks iterations, you know, I had to go through a, a audition process and, you know, uh, I ran into a lot of guys around town. There's a lot of great sports voices around town here in St. Louis. And so for me to win that job twice, uh, very humbling and very uh, cool for me, and and to be able to 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 go to the dome, a place where you know we saw great football and terrible football over a twenty-plus year time frame, um, but it was NFL football, and to have Stan Kroenke publicly call out the St. Louis sports fan to anyone who would listen, to the league, to the media. St. Louis can't support more than two teams. They are a dying sports market. Uh the NFL doesn't belong in St. Louis. It's we're moving and it's and and um the, the just the fans at the dome that have shown up for the XFL. You know, in that first iteration for that third home game, they were playing Los Angeles. They had 50,000 tickets sold for that game for game 3. 50,000 for a XFL game and these last two games, it's been thirty-eight thousand for the home opener, almost thirty-nine, and then thirty-five thousand for the second game. Easily uh, uh, the biggest crowds in the XFL, and it's um, uh, it's it's partly this town loves football despite the national narrative, and it's partly look, uh, St. Louis sports fans have chips on their shoulder and they're out to prove, look, uh, you, you're you're wrong about us, and and that's what that crowd is uh, is uh, telling uh, the world by showing up for XFL football.
3: Tell me about the first down announcement that you use. Yeah, so, all right. So on the first iteration,
6: I did that standard. You know, a lot of public address announcers do this for football. They do the team name, and I would do the, bat, that's the battle hawks, and then the crowd yells first down, right? Everybody does. A lot of people do that. The cool thing about being at Mizzou is that we have our own M I Z Z O U and you can incorporate that uh, in the first down call. And the, the great PA announcer before me at Mizzou, Randy Wright, came up with that, and I've continued that tradition uh, for the 13 seasons I've been at Mizzou. And so I wanted to do something at the Battle Hawks that wasn't the same that everyone else was doing, and have St. Louis be able to 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 shout something of pride, you know, that was St. Louis related. And it sounds simple. But a long-time childhood friend of mine, Dave Sandler, is my spotter. And he and I were sitting there talking in the press box, and I was saying to him, you know, like, I have a couple of ideas on this first down call, and, and I threw out a – a couple of ideas, and then one was a first down, and you, you got you have to subtly drag it out. It's it's a little more of a science than it sounds like, <laughs> I know. Uh, but you got to you know, you got to drag it out because you want to encourage feedback, right? You want to encourage yelling. So I would, you know, my thought was if I drag out, you know, do a little big, you know, sort of a first down and drag it out a little, and then do an S T L, and then that way. Um, yes, we're at a Battle Hawks game, but it's the fans way of chanting STL, you know, many times during that game. You know, here we are. We're, we're St. Louis. We're proud. We're here supporting the Battle Hawks. And, uh, you know, by, I, I think, uh, at first, I think there was some uh, fans that were kind of probably looking at each other in the crowd. Like, what is this? <laughs> what are
3: we supposed to say?
6: <laughs> and, uh, by the middle, I'd say by the end of the first quarter of game one, 38,000, we all screaming STL. And so we've gotten to the point where, um, where I don't even really have to say the STL at all. And the fans are chanting it and it's awesome. It's just every first down, uh, I get a big smile on my face hearing all those fans yell STL after that first down. So that's, it's it's been awesome.
3: That's fantastic. So uh, for those that don't know, Randy did public address for a long time at SIUE for men's and women's basketball games. Came up with a, a phrase there that we still use: the three for the E. And it it was. Uh, Do you have a lab at home? Like, is your son? Does he have <laughs> to listen to all these all of the uh, the 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 ones that don't make it?
6: I uh, no but I have I have done uh, some uh you know in, some announcing here of everyday activities that my uh <laughs> family gets very aggravated with but uh yeah you know I look I think the the thing about being a public address announcer is nobody comes there there's there's a couple things and I'll be quick I know I don't have a lot of time there's there's a couple of things about being a public address announcer that that um one no fan comes to a sporting event to listen to the public address announcer. That's not why they're there. They're there to watch the game. They're there to watch the sport. They're there to root on their team. Uh, But if there's a way that I could subtly get the fans a little involved in a certain type of chant or cheer uh, without making it obvious, you know, the SIUE three for the E, um, was uh, that was a, a cool thing. And, and uh, Joe, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I took that, uh, that idea to Mizzou this year for men's basketball. And they now do the three for M I Z. Nice. Uh, that I, uh, that, um, that I brought in there. So it's, it's, it, it it all feeds each other, right? They all overlap, but it's it is kind of a science to try to get a little bit more crowd involvement without being over the top. And number two, there's nothing that aggravates me more than a public address announcer who yells. And so <laughs> I, uh, I am not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. I, I, my voice does elevate. I do subtly get the crowd involved, but you've got to be able to do the job without yelling and screaming. And, I, I, and, and that, those are the two pet peeves of mine, or the one pet peeve and then the one science behind doing public address work.
3: I wanted to touch just a little bit before we finish up here on college basketball and, and something that you and I were talking about during the week. As you look at this time of year, um, as uh, on one hand, we're watching the, the NCAA tournament and the, the great things that come along with it. On the other hand, we're watching social media to see who's going into the portal and where they may go next. And you made a great point to me that it's it's just a different world than we've been used to.
6: Yeah, so um, you know, uh you and I have talked, you know, obviously off the air a lot about this subject. And I, and I've I've talked about it since the portal got crazy in the last couple of years and with NIL, you know, the first thought everybody had was um, you know, and, and especially with you and I this this not to jump around, but with you and I covering and and calling college basketball games for teams that we follow and travel with, you know, you you get you 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 get involved and embedded in the program, and you get to know the players and the coaches, and uh, that's all changing, right? And and I think the first iteration was, or the first thought I should say from sports fans was, oh, great, this portal and this NIL, all it's going to do is make the rich get richer. All the blue bloods are going to go. All, all the best players in the country are going to go to the blue bloods. All of the money uh, that is going to be spent is going to be spent by the blue blood programs and the Power Five programs in football. And so it's just going to be, um, you know, even more dominant for the big time programs in both sports. Uh, But I remember thinking at the time, I don't think that's going to be true. And I think we're seeing it right now in this NCAA tournament. The the mid-majors, small mid-majors are going to get some very, very good players from the big time programs that want to play. And now, you know, in the past they would say, well, I'm not going to leave Michigan State and go to Southeast Missouri. Why would I do that? And plus I got to sit out of here. Well, now you don't have to sit out. So you can transfer there and play and be the stud and the star at the mid major and elevate that program into the NCAA tournament. Teams like Fairleigh Dickinson and Princeton and FAU and these teams that are in that have won games, you know, I'm sure there are some stories about some of the players that have transferred in. I think it's going to cause more parity down the road, and I think it's actually helping cause more parity for the sport. I don't know. I don't remember when you and I talked about this, if you agree, because I tend to dominate conversation, <laughs> But uh, I, I do feel like, and would love to hear your quick thoughts too, I do feel like it'll ultimately cause more parity.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think that uh, remains to be seen. The I, I just... Um, you know the the one side of it is you have to recruit to bring in, but you've got to recruit the people that are in your uh, on yeah, your roster so, as well a little bit. And yeah, I think that's, that's you know, that's a little part, different. Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah, because you 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 almost you and I've talked about this. You almost have to recruit your players that are on your team more than uh uh the players that are going to be coming in the next season. You have to keep your players there.
3: Yeah, there's no question about it. It's it's uh it's different, but you're right, and we have seen those smaller quote unquote mid majors benefit from getting a guy exactly as you said. Maybe he's towards the end of a bench on a on a high major, but he's going to be he can star at the mid major level, and he can elevate that team for sure.
6: And 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 I'll say like we we've seen that before, right? This isn't new, you know. uh, Big time players going to smaller schools to get playing time, but the difference now is. Uh, you're that it makes the decision easier for them when they can go and play right away. And that's the, I think that's the rub. So I I have a question for you as we've talked about this conversation, my question for you would be, um, are you okay with players are um, unlimited transfer rules or what, which we've seen in the news in the last day or two, uh, the NCAA trying to limit that to one free transfer, and then you have to sit out after that.
3: Yeah, I'd prefer I'd prefer that, I think, um, yes. as opposed to unlimited.
6: I think I do too, And but I do feel like if your coach leaves, no matter where you are, if you've already done your free move, if you have already moved to another program once, but if your coach ends up leaving, you should get an opportunity to leave.
3: As uh, well. I would agree with that as well. I would. Yes. And I do have to let you go on that note, yes. but I appreciate the time. And uh, like I said, <laughs> I, I'm – I'm sure sports fans are, are no stranger to hearing you, so uh, always appreciate you taking some time and, and having a conversation.
6: Yeah, man. Keep filling up that dome, Battle Hawks fans. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
3: There you go. Randy Molman with us here. we got to take a break. We'll wrap things up on this edition of the Gray Bar Sports Open Line after this.
2: Good for a first down. S-T-L.
6: Eggs and Eggs, presented by Budweiser, returns to downtown St. Louis to celebrate baseball's home opener Thursday, March 30th, between 10 and 2. Tickets on sale now and include Budweiser and Anheuser-Busch products, specialty cocktails from Maker's Mark, Martino's, Truly Vodka, and Jim Bean, food from Sugarfire Smokehouse, live music, and more. Celebrate this unofficial St. Louis holiday with custom coatings STL, Rally House St. Louis, and Dirt Cheap. Full details at KingsandEggs.com/slash/event.
3: This is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, King of OX. Back in the Gray Bar Sports Open Line, one short segment for you here. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley tonight. Thanks for taking some time with us tonight. Thanks to uh, all of our guests as well. So I don't forget to thank them when we close out. John Denton of MLB.com. Brian Dunseth of. Uh, uh, Apple TV and MLS analyst Randy Mollman and Danny Wexelman of MLB Network Radio and ESPN and SNY. Uh, it's been a fun couple of hours. Appreciate that. Thanks to Matt Pajeski on the other side of uh, the table from us here. And he it works hard to get all those guests that you hear each and every night. So I greatly appreciate that as well. Of course, we came on talking about the uh, bad news about Adam Wainwright. Let's uh, hear from Adam Wainwright a little more positive. This is him talking about how much fun he had in the World Baseball Classic.
5: No, I had no idea how great it would be. I mean, I knew it was going to be fun. I just didn't know it was going to be that fun. I didn't know it was going to be that rewarding um, to play for your country. Uh, wear the, the American flag on your uni and on your hat and have people chant USA is something I've never experienced before. It was... I hope I get to do it again. It was special. on a, on to a coach staff.
1: Are you proud of the
3: Representation the Cardinals
5: had in the tournament, yeah, Is that, and does that matter to you? And I felt like we performed well too. I mean, Miles pitched great, and Goldie and Nolan were two of the guys that carried us uh, throughout that whole whole tournament. You know, they were they were playing great ball. We all, I felt like we all performed at a level that represented our organization well, and and uh, we had four guys there. I think we had the most guys there of anyone. Um, so yeah, we were proud to be there. We seventeen, were, seventeen
3: times the board in all teams.
5: It's MLB high, seventeen. We guys. had seventeen guys. Yeah, in oh, the tournament. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I tell you, man, our our organization's in a really good spot. It is going forward and where it is right now. I think we're gonna have a great season. Um, you know, they need to be in first place when I, they hand me the reins back, hopefully, and <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. But I I really love our young fellas in there too. You know, and we got some guy. I mean, you see what Zuniga did for Colombia. Uh, he struck out Goldie and Nolan, if I'm not mistaken. And those guys came in and they were like, dude, he's nasty. He's not even, is he, I don't even know if he's on our team yet, but he will be soon. He's got a great arm, but we have guys like that that performed um, throughout the WBC that are just great, great, great players.
3: Good to hear from Adam Wainwright that he enjoyed that time. And, and, you know, he's not taking anything away despite the groin injury with, which let's be, let's be honest, it could have happened during spring training. It was something that happened weightlifting. So, We will, of course, uh, keep monitoring that. We'll see how long that the cards are without Adam Wainwright. That rotation's in okay, uh, okay shape anyway. Uh, without Wayno there for the first uh, couple of weeks anyway. Again, thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to Matt. Dave Simons is coming up next at your service. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning on Total Information AM. Got cards tomorrow night at 5.05 against the uh, Washington Nationals. So Matt will be back on Monday night. Matt Polly that is, will be back on Monday night hosting uh, the Grey Bar Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot. Thanks again for taking the time tonight here on a Thursday night. Hope it's been a good one for you. I'll be back with you uh, really early tomorrow morning, first sportscast at 5.15. Keep it here
2: on CamoX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?